Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, just stirred up in my heart as we're worshiping the Lord and praising Him that, you know, one of our, one of the primary things that we should be doing now as New Testament believers, we're after the cross. We're not before the cross. We're not looking for a Savior. We've received a Savior. We're not the sinners waiting to be saved. No, we're the saved. We've already been washed. Come on now. We're not the sick trying to get healed. We are the healed walking by faith. Come on now. That we're in the position of victory. Come on. We have received what the Lord has done. So so here here's what I'm trying to here's what I'm trying to get to in this. We're in the position of proclamation. It's one of the primary things that all believers are to do. You know this all well you know, those who've studied these things, I know those who've been through the school of ministry know that, that teaching is an explanation, but preaching is a, it is a proclamation, right? That's what I'm talking about. We're talking about preaching. But, you know, say, well, I'm not a preacher. If you're saved, you are. Yeah, everyone's a preacher, huh? It doesn't mean you have a pulpit. <laughs> you can probably buy one on your own. I don't think you have to have credentials. Uh, but what does that mean? We're all a preacher. We're all preachers. It just simply means we proclaim what has been done, what has been accomplished. We're not gloom and despair and poor old me. No, I'm in Christ and He's risen from the dead. He is my victory. He's inside of me. Come on now. We're not talking about something we wish were true. We're talking about a present tense experience. The reality of the living Christ living inside of us. Everyone who's been born again, who's been born of God, has a proclaiming spirit inside of them. I'll tell you what. The Lord Jesus said that we should go into all the world and preach or proclaim or tell the good news preach the gospel what is that it it is Jesus has already defeated sin he's defeated the devil he's defeated darkness and he's in me and when Jesus was raised from the dead I was raised from the dead when he was seated at the right hand of the father meaning it's done it the work is finished I was in Christ and I was seated right next to the father in Christ I'm seated with him in heavenly places this is our message this is what we proclaim if someone's in despair if someone's in pain it doesn't have to be that way anymore because Jesus already defeated it he already was raised from the dead come on now no more Jesus being raised up no more Jesus going to the cross everything that needed to be done has been done and we have the victory now not going to get it in heaven someday not looking to the sweet by and by but here today in this present time I'm alive you're alive in Jesus you are come on now empowered and authorized Come on, you've been given His name, you've been given His word, and a right to stand strong and be bold in this life. Amen. This is our message to the world. This is our message to stir each other up. This is our message to stay strong and live live alive, live as if Jesus is really on the inside. 
I tell you what, he's far more than a bumper sticker, far more than a than a name on a church, far more than than a, a doctrinal statement. He is the living Christ, and the Spirit of God has been given to us so we can rule and reign and dominate this natural world and this fallen system with the glory of God and the power of God. We don't have a, a message that's of gloom and despair, like I said. We have a message of victory. We have a message that has it, it's the answer come on somebody do we have any proclaimers in the house today yeah come on jesus is inside of you you've got his spirit you have an anointing from god you have his spirit on you so you can do this well amen amen thank you lord i just it just seemed like we needed to declare some things and just just say it no teaching there I, I, I have a feeling I might slip back into that in a minute here <laughs> that's what I gravitate to I'm not really a preacher I'm a teacher but sometimes you just need to say it not explain it just tell it like it is just say what's true and proclaim it amen because I tell you I tell you if anyone will believe it it's all over for, for the problem it's all over for an enemy that has kept that person bound all you have to do is hear one word from God. It, go, gets a, it, it becomes alive inside. And game over. I tell you what. No more struggle. No more fight. No more working hard with all your might. But rejoicing. And be glad. And being glad in Him. Amen. Because in Him we have victory. In Him we always win. Thank you Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just want to re- relax for a minute and enjoy this. It's a good, it's a good presence in the house. A good anointing. <laughs> Maybe I'll make a preacher someday. <laughs> amen, amen. Amen. You know, let me encourage you this way. Sometimes people feel inadequate in their ability to represent the Lord. Like, I don't know enough. I can't explain it enough. You know, it's, it's like the person who wants to lead their family member or friend to the Lord, and they talk to them, and they talk to them, and then when it gets close and that person's about to receive, they call the pastor. <laughs> Need you to pray with that. They, they want to get saved. <laughs> no, go ahead and reel, it in, reel them in. I mean, you got them on the hook. Go ahead and pull them in the boat. You can do it. But here's the thing. Here's what I was saying. A lot of times people feel inadequate. Like, I can't explain it enough. I can't answer all the questions. And, and, and I understand that. I can't answer all the questions by any means. Uh, but listen, there is a spirit upon it. It is the spirit of God. There is an anointing upon the proclamation of truth. It's just stating what is, not proving it, not not necessarily explaining everything about it. There's a time and a place for explanation and teaching. But just saying it, backed up, and it's backed up with only this, it's real in you. There's an anointing on that, that someone will take it, believe it, and it'll change their life. And then you'll have two people there struggling to explain what happened. <laughs> you and the person who just received it, but both of you know for certain it's real. 
Huh? See, a lot of times, and I'm guilty of this because I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Explanation. I want to answer all the objections, raise every possible question, and answer it and have a verse, at least a verse, preferably the mouth of two or three witnesses, you know, and go through all this. But, you know, I, I tell you what, I've seen individuals... I'm thinking of one, this young young uh, lady that got born again and uh, just had her life changed. I mean, it was evident. It was so real in her. But beyond that, she knew practically zero. And you know what I'd see her do? Lead other people to Jesus. Lead other people. I mean, people who might be far more educated than her and uh, just just getting a conversation. And you know, you know, the only thing they saw in her, it was real in her. They saw, this is not some, just some uh, pathway that she memorized. And nothing wrong with memorizing certain strategies, but it's got to be, be bigger than that. It wasn't just something she memorized. She, her heart was changed. She knew the Lord. She wasn't a blind person. She was a seeing person. Huh? She couldn't explain everything she was seeing, but she knew she was seeing it. And she would just tell people. And they'd get born again. And then someone else come along. They know half the Bible. And they can quote verses. And they've been through the classes and this. And they struggle just to keep it simple and say, Man, Jesus loves you. He died on the cross for you. You can receive him now. You know? But that's just a proclamation, isn't it? It's just declaring what is that gets results. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Now here I feel myself going into the other mode. But it's okay. I'll go there a little bit. See, this was one of the problems in the times time of Jesus. You guys are probably good. Joe, you stay. I don't want to make you guys stand up. April, you, you know, you can sit and do whatever you want. Since you have a chair. Uh, in Jesus' day, you, you remember one of the things that they would say about the Lord Jesus uh, when, his, when all of a sudden He came on the scene as far as His ministry, after the fast, after being filled with the Spirit, uh, He went into Galilee and so forth. Uh, they would say, uh, not only about the, the miracles and stuff, but right away they, they, they would listen to Him and what the things that He was saying and the way He said it came across much different than what they were used to. You remember, they said, this guy speaks with authority. See, they had a lot of experts around their, around their time. Experts in the law, Old Testament. They knew the law of Moses. And they argued and debated and, and taught and, and did all kinds of stuff. And they used Scripture. They used a lot of Scripture. Okay? Uh, but then Jesus showed up, and all of a sudden it was different. They said, what's the deal with this guy? What's up with him? Who is he? Because he didn't look different. Looked like everybody else. But what's the deal with this guy? See, one of the big differences there was everyone else, they memorized things. They studied things. They knew things. Jesus knew the author. Jesus knew the one from whom the word came from. And I tell you, that's always been God's plan Not that we just memorize a system or live our lives according to a doctrine, but we be in a relationship with the God who created us. 
And when you literally have an experience with God and you know Him, you are going to speak different. You're going to, you're just, you might even say some of the same things, but there'll be that twinkle in your eye. There'll be that, that, that depth there. There's that depth behind your words that it's different when it comes through you. And you've got that, man, you're qualified to represent the Lord Jesus. I don't mean we don't study and show ourselves approved and learn more. If we can, we do. We want to learn more and and understand. And I, I seek that all the time. But if I have a genuine relationship with the author of the Word, you're going to get more out of what I have to say than someone who studied the whole thing doesn't know him. Likewise with you. And, and, and too often so much is focused on, do you know this? Do you know, you know, uh, you know if you know, uh, some, I've had people tell me, man, if I only knew Greek, uh, I would understand of Scripture so much more because our New Testament, you know, was translated from Greek. Uh, Jesus, you know, spoke Hebrew and Aramaic and so forth, but our New Testament was translated from Greek. And, and sometimes, because I, I look things up, and sometimes I think it can be helpful but for someone to think that's the answer, no. There are a lot of people who know Greek upside one and downside the other and are dead. 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 I remember a friend of mine from Australia years ago, he was, he was talking about um, how this, you know, he, just, he got saved and, you know, was learning and growing and started preaching and, and people started coming around to listen to what he had to say. And he didn't know that much. And, uh, and there was this, this church down the road with a highly educated uh, pastor, minister. And I'm, again, not, nothing wrong with highly educated. That should, that's a good thing. But this person wasn't seeing results and wasn't seeing lives change. And, and he came and talked to this other, this other guy. And he didn't really have that much to say because he was like, the guy was like, well, what's going on? What, why is this happening? Why are people, why do people keep flocking over to your ministry over here? He said, I don't know. I just lay hands on the sick and they recover. I mean, it was, it was kind of funny. It was like he didn't know that much. I mean, he probably knew a little bit more than that, but it was just real simple. Well, you know, I just do that and this happens. And so people keep coming. <laughs> I tell you what, one word that's real to you is far better than a thousand words that are just memorized and, you know, just a doctrinal thing that you've got down and you can state your beliefs. No, no, one word that's real. That word will work for you. There's enough power in one word from God to obliterate every sickness and disease. It just has to be real to someone. There's enough power in one word of, you know, of... John 3.16, how God so loved the world, He sent His only begotten Son to save the whole planet. It's just got to be real in someone. You know, how can someone believe unless they hear? How can they hear unless there's a preacher? What do you mean a preacher? Someone who will just proclaim it. Someone who, not just they memorize it and they say, now what do I say? Say this. You know, like a robot. You know, no, no, no. has to be real in the person. Otherwise, there's a big difference. There's a big difference in the person who's just learned it and the person who knows God. 
just like the Pharisees compared to when Jesus came on the scene. Amen. Amen. Let me, let me go a little bit further. Let's go in a little bit of teaching mode. We'll see if the, the proclaim comes back on me. I'll yield to it if it does. Uh, John uh, 14. This is, I woke up, I opened my eyes in the bed this morning, and there this verse was. Not, not John 14, John 16, actually. And I thought, hmm, I like that. I taught it recently in another place, but it was just right there, and I thought, hmm, that might be where we're, we end up going tonight. This is a believer's meeting. In case you're new to this kind of service, uh, we're so glad you're here. Uh, we have no agenda other than to praise God, let His Spirit work and flow, and so we just really have an open-ended, let's just do whatever seems good now. Amen? Ice cream is later. John chapter 16, notice with me over here, verse 26, John 16, 26, Jesus is speaking to his disciples here, he said, in that day, you, you will ask in my name, now just stop for a moment, in that day, he's talking about our day, but obviously not only our, talking about the whole covenant of, uh, the new covenant, the dispensation of grace when Jesus was raised from the dead it started and we're still in that time it was different than when he was talking okay he was in the transitional period bringing things in so he's referencing how the way things were how they are and how they're just about to be he said in that day you will ask in my name see no one no one up until this time prayed in the name of Jesus all right. He said, you'll ask in my name. That was a new thing. They didn't pray. They didn't ask in the name of Jesus. How many know that's how we ask today? What do we mean in the name of Jesus? The name is His authority. It's His power. It's His person. Um, when we ask in the name of Jesus, we're basically asking in the place of Jesus or in His stead. If I say, Father... I ask you this in Jesus' name. I'm in essence saying that if Jesus were here, this is what he would ask. He's not here. I'm asking in his place. I'm representing him. This is what he would do. I'm doing this in his name. Does everybody that make sense? Okay. So, you know, when you realize that, you stop asking for goofy things. You know, that don't... Well, you know, whatever. <laughs> Anything, you know, selfishly motivated stuff and, you know, you're mad at someone and you want God to kill them or something and, you know, you, re- you realize, I can't pray that in Jesus' name <laughs> because Jesus wasn't about killing people. All right. He said, in that day you'll ask in my name and I do not say to you that I shall pray the Father for you. He said... I'm not going to go pray to the Father for you. For you. I am not going to pray to the Father for you. What is he saying? Apparently, that had been their custom. That has been what they had known over the last few years. Is if they needed something, they'd go to Jesus. And Jesus would go to the Father. Everybody listening? I need help. Jesus? I need help. Jesus, 
He said, no, and that day you're not going to ask me. You're not going to go, Jesus, and then I'm going to go to the Father for you. It's very interesting to me how kind of the default for many people, for many believers, is to go to someone else to get them to pray. Now, I might rattle your cage a little bit here today, but uh, I'm doing it on purpose, just so you know. The default for many Christians, whenever they have need, is go to someone else to pray. Get someone else to pray for them. You know, there's a whole, uh, I know a whole uh, religious group, They one of their primary uh, doctrines, practices, is to pray to individuals, dead individuals, saints, so forth, so that they would then pray for them. You know what I'm talking about? I'm not trying to be critical or, you know, put anyone down. I'm just saying that's what they do. Okay, uh, when I, I was talking uh, with our friend Melody uh, recently when she was here, Melody Miles, and we were talking after the service when she read from the book, her book on that one Wednesday night. And uh, I think it was that time. Anyway, we had a lot of conversations. We are talking about people she spoke to. And uh, she said, oh, and I talked to Mary. I said, you did? You talked to Mary, Mary the mother of Jesus. And I said, does she... I, I said... Did you ask her if she knows about the Catholics? And uh, that's just my question. I just wanted to know if she knows about them. And said, she said, actually, she didn't ask her that, but she said, she did say this. She only talked to her, it sounded like for a pretty brief time they sat down and talked. But she said to, she said to Melody, she said, would you tell people I don't know what's going on down there and stop praying to me? <laughs> yeah. When, when, that, when her book comes out, you know, you see that for yourself. If she, she probably wrote it in there. <laughs> I thought, that's interesting. But still, uh, aside from that, I'm not addressing praying to the saints and things like that. Still in, in our circles, very common now, for it to be default, you need help, you have a physical problem or a financial problem or relational problem, I need to call someone else and get them to pray for me. Why do we do that? Why do Christians default get someone to pray for me? That's exactly not what Jesus said what we should do. He didn't say, in that day, you will... Uh, Ask, not a, you know, might say, well, he was talking about asking him. Okay, we don't ask Jesus. But in that day, you're going to get a bunch of other people to pray for you. And if you have a need, get on prayer lists and prayer chains and call prayer lines and, and, and get as many people praying as possible. Because if you do that, you're more likely to get a, get a response. You know that verse, right? That's what, it, isn't that what that says? There's certainly another verse that says that, though, right? I mean, there's got to be, got to be verses on that. There's has to be verses on that, because because otherwise, like most Christians wouldn't be doing that. There has to be a verse. If you find it, you show me, because I haven't found that verse yet. Now, before you throw stones at me, I can show you verses about praying for one another. 
I'm not saying it's wrong for one person to pray for another. I pray for other people. But I'm talking personally now. What I do, if I need something going, is it is, is what the Lord taught me. When I have a need, I should go find someone else to pray for me. No. That's not what I'm supposed to do. In fact, why would I do that? What? Think about it for a moment. I probably need to read this next verse, then I'll keep talking. Verse 27, he said, For the Father Himself loves you because you have loved Me and have believed that I came forth from God. He said, you're not going to ask Me, and then I'm going to pray to the Father for you. He said, for the Father Himself loves you. You're not going to rely upon My relationship with with my father you're going to have your own relationship with the father and if you have your own relationship with the father why would you get someone else to talk to him for you i mean when you think about it and you really cut down to the chase that doesn't even make a lot of sense i mean if he's my father and he loves me, why wouldn't I just go direct? Why do we always want a, a mediator in there? We need someone else to go through. You know, if you think about maybe when, when you were a kid, you may have done that with your parents if you had siblings. But it was only because you were probably in, you, you were in trouble. Right? I mean, if you needed something from your dad or mom... You know, you just go ask them. But if you're kind of on the outs with them a little bit, if you've been bad, you've gotten in trouble, then you might get your brother or sister, say, hey, could you go ask dad if I can do this, if I can have this? Why? Because you have greater confidence at that moment in their relationship that they would get a positive response, so you want to send them in. That's not the way our relationship with our Father is supposed to be. And if you understand that in Christ all of our sins are forgiven, and we have right standing with Him, there's nothing wrong, there's no hindrance, God's not angry with us, we we are completely accepted in the Beloved, who's Jesus, and we, we are completely loved by our Father, then it kind of doesn't make sense Why would I involve someone else in my conversation with and my relationship with the Father? Why would I want to even tell you what I want, what I need? I'm just going to go talk to my Father. And here's what the problem is, though. So as, As our gears are turning, I understand this. We lack confidence in God's love for us. We lack confidence in our own personal relationship with the Father. Therefore, we trust someone else's relationship more. And therefore, we go to other people. And God, in His mercy and grace, sometimes will help us out through other people. Okay? But it's not really what He intended. Really wasn't His plan that when all of us have needs, we immediately think, okay, who can I, who can help me? No, it's supposed to be, I I got need, there's whatever's going on. Thank you, Father. You're my Father. You're my God. 
You're not just God. You're mine. You're not just the Father. You're my Father. Hmm? Sometimes we might even be revealing things by the language in which we use. Is He just the Father? Or is He your Father? Jesus frequently referred to Him as my Father. My Father. Not just the Father. Not just positionally He is the Father God. No, He's my Dad. He loves me. He talks to me sometimes in the sky and people think it thundered. Right? I got baptized. He spoke from heaven and He likes me. Yeah. And you know what also is true? He likes you too. That's what Jesus is trying to communicate here. He's not saying, you're not going to ask me because I don't really want to hear from you. (laughs) I'm tired of fielding all your questions, dealing with all your prayer requests. I mean, I'm stepping out of this for a while. It's like, whoo, it's been, you know. No, he's not saying that because he didn't, he's saying that because he wants them to know how great the Father's love is for them. For you, for me, and how we can have bold access to God, the Father, our Father, at any time, at any place, and we don't need to go through someone else. Amen. Say it out loud. My Father loves me. He hears me. When I pray, He hears me. He answers me. I get what I pray for because my Father loves me. Amen. Amen. That would be worthy of meditation, wouldn't it? Worthy to, to think about again and again and again and again until it's so real to you that we stop this nonsense of acting like, you know, we've got to come in with a crowd. I got to enter the throne room, but I got to have at least 50 people. <laughs> you know, it's the whole bombard the gates of heaven mentality. As if the gates are closed. I mean, to a believer, to a child of God, to a blood a blood washed saint. Huh? No, the gates are wide open. Come on in and enjoy his 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 love and his presence. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. See, these things have to be personal. You know, we'll say it. I have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, you know, even that can sound too rote. I have a personal, you know. (laughs) But it's got to be personal. You know, it's like we say sometimes, uh, we quote Philippians 4. Remember the scripture there, 419? Um, I can do all things. Is that the right one? 13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, and sometimes people, uh, you know, they, they get confused a little bit when I tell them the Bible doesn't say that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. I'll say, yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Say, well, you just quoted it. I'll say it again. The Bible did not say that you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Let me tell you what it did say. Paul said, the Apostle Paul wrote that book. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 
He didn't say, you could do all things through Christ who strengthens you. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what are you saying? You're saying, I can't do all things through Christ? You might be able to. But you might not be able to. So what's the answer? It's, you've got to own it. It's got to be personal. It's got to be real to you. You've got to know that you're in Christ. You've got to know about His strength in your life. Not just quoting a verse, but it's real to you. Paul could do it. And, but if, if you, even if you read the context of that verse, you'll see that he said he learned how to be in that position. He learned that. He learned. He was in prison writing this. He, he had some lessons that he'd learned, and then he could say, and you know what? I can do all things through Christ who, strength, who strengthens me. All right. So the question is, for me, for you, have we learned it? Have we learned the reality of the strength and power of Christ inside of us so that, to the end result, we can not just quote Philippians 4.13, but we can speak from our own conviction, our own knowledge and relationship with God, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. See, see that's a different deal there, isn't it? It's a, di- it's, it's a different level of relationship. Sometimes, I know Jeff Schroeder said this recently, and he was quoting someone else anyway, but uh, uh, he said that a lot of Christians, all they have is knowledge of somebody else's revelation. I thought, hmm, Yikes. We write them down, you know, we quote what someone else saw and knew. But what do we have for ourselves? What's real in us? Do I know that the Father Himself loves me? That He is alive in me so that I can ask in Jesus' name and I get it. Oh yeah, if you want to agree with me, go ahead. But bless God, the Father loves me. The Father loves me. Look at, uh, look at the 11th chapter, John. Just a couple pages left. You see there... Uh, hmm. uh, in, in the 11th chapter of John is the situation where Lazarus died. Some of you know that story. Lazarus became sick and he died. They came and told Jesus. He said, this is going to end up in, as in God being glorified. It's not, he, basically, he's not going to end up dead. And, uh, and then he got to the tomb. I don't want to go through the whole story. Uh, he got to the tomb and he had been dead for four days now. You remember that? And, uh, and then he said, take the stone away. And they said, he stinks. And uh, uh, because it, he'd been dead for four days... And he said, you know, in verse 40, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took the stone away. And uh, Jesus lifted up, this is verse 41, John eleven forty-one 41, in the middle there. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I thank you, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Now you might think, yep, Jesus is just kind of, building up his faith in prayer, faith in his knowledge that the Father hears him. But no, Jesus was beyond that. 
I don't think it's wrong for you and I to sit down and, and meditate and think for a while, say, thank you, Father, that you hear me when I pray, and give our heart and mind to that so we can, you know, grow ourselves up in that area. But that's not where Jesus was at, okay? This dead raising from the guy, Jesus, lifted up his hands in front of everyone. They're all going, whoo! <laughs> it stinks, you know, the stench is coming from the tomb. They're thinking, Jesus is crazy. What took him so long? Why did he wait two days? He could have come here two days earlier, and then he would have only been dead, been dead for two days, and he would have st- wouldn't have stunk yet. And, you know, all kinds of thoughts. I'm kind of adding to that a little bit. But, uh, but here he is, Jesus lifting up his eyes. They're all, they're all looking at Jesus, you know, by the way. Because that's what you do when you don't have a personal relationship with the Father. You look at someone else who does. And you hope that they, they do something good. Okay? So they're all looking at Jesus. And what does Jesus do? He goes like this. And starts praying. I think probably what he's trying to do is get them all to do this too. That's what leadership does. <laughs> if you want to be a leader, get your hands in the air and worship God. Because there are a lot of other people that don't know God and they don't know what to do. And they're going to do what you do. Some of you have been Christians for too long to be standing there during worship like this. It's like you don't even know the Father. You don't experience His glory. You're not, in His, you're not experiencing His anointing and presence. Otherwise, you wouldn't be that way. So I didn't come to church on a Wednesday night to hear that. I'm just trying to give you what will help. Let's step up our game. Come on now, somebody. Hey. Anyway, Jesus did this. I think he's trying to get everyone else to join in because how many know the answer is not really in him as a human being, as the Son of Man. The answer is he said everything I do is what I see my Father do. He didn't even say anything that came from himself. It all came from the Father. So he's getting them to go like this. And he says, Father, I thank you that you always hear me. Uh, Yet you have heard me. Verse 42 And I know that you always hear me. Do you know that He always hears you? See, if you want the same results that Jesus had, you have to know what He knew. Not just do by habit the exact things that He did. You have to know what He knew. And what He knew was the Father's love for Him. What He knew was His acceptance. What He knew was what He was authorized to do. See, sometimes we we memorize formulas, we memorize strategies and things like that instead of knowing in a personal way. See, we become Pharisees, we're just New Testament Pharisees. We're just saved Pharisees, right? But we become too cut and, you know, pull this knob and and, and turn this this wheel and, 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 and see what comes out. No, no, it's not about just saying it all right, and we should say it right to the best we can, but it's not just about doing everything. It's about the heart's intent. It's about conviction, about knowing God. It's about knowing that your Father hears you whenever you say, Father, Dad, my Lord and my God. Whenever you mention Him, you know, bam, He's there. Always, every time. Jesus knew that. That's why he got these results. And I know we want these results. Okay, let me try to read this again. I know that you always hear me, 
But because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they might believe that you sent me. This is one of those uh, Christmas prayers at the dinner table. Got all your heathen relatives there. Father, I thank you that you so love the world that you gave your only begotten son. <laughs> I thank you that all that even though we know that all have sinned and come short of your glory. I have, Uncle Bob has. And you go, <laughs> what are you doing? Are you praying? Yeah, you're praying for their benefit. <laughs> a little sermon in there. Anyway. I want to thank you for the food. Amen. Uh but Jesus said he was doing this, and he's praying this right out loud. I did this for their benefit. I, I know you always hear me. I don't really need to do this. I can just go and speak to Lazarus right now, and it's done. But I'm praying for their sakes so that they'll know this is of you. That this, he was doing the work of the Father. Amen. And then, of course, Lazarus got raised from the dead. Let's go to another place. Can you handle a little bit more? Amen. Uh, John chapter 1. Let's see. John chapter 1. We won't go too much longer, I don't think, unless the Lord leads us to do something else. But it's a good presence of God here. And the ice cream's not getting cold, so we're okay. Uh, John 1. Let's see. Verse 1. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word... The Word was with God, and the Word was God. Anybody know what the Word is there? That's Jesus. You can read that down in the 14th verse, but the Word there is talking about Jesus, that Jesus is God, He was God, He is God. And, and verse 2, and in the beginning, He was in the beginning with God. Verse 3, all things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men in him in him who in Jesus or in the word in Jesus was life and life was the light of men now I want you to think about it for a moment we we uh, commonly re- reference uh, John chapter 10 and verse 10 you remember anyone know John 10 10 the thief comes not but for to steal kill and destroy but I have come Jesus said I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly, have abundant life, right? And so we know that Jesus has come not to make our lives worse, but to make our lives better, all right? Not to give us, uh, put us in despair and, and lack, no, no, to give us abundant life. Where, what is that life? How do we experience abundant life? There's no doubt in my mind that that includes health, it includes our needs met, it includes victory in life and joy, and, and He gives us so many things, and all of that is the will of God. This, this corrupt, sinful world that, that destroys people's lives, that, that's not the God's plan at all. Okay, no doubt all that is involved. But here's, here's some of the issue that I think we miss sometimes. We recognize, I need to feel good. I need money. I need uh, good relationships. I need emotional strength and health and happiness. And, and we recognize some of these things that we need. I need clothes and I need provisions. I need a house. And we, so we say we see abundant life. What, I, Jesus came to give me abundant, amazing, overflowing life. And we think all those tangible things that we recognize that we need. 
And I would concur that all of those are involved with and included in abundant life. But John 1, 1, or John 1, verse 4 says, In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. So what did Jesus come to give us? All those things? Yes, but not directly. He came to give us abundant life. Where is that life? It's in Him. And that's where we sometimes miss the mark. We say, yeah, it's the will of God that I live a blessed life. That I be healed. That I have victory and, and, and I'm a over, have an overcoming life. Absolutely. Where is that though? Where is the abundance? Where is the health? Where, where is His peace? Where is His joy? It's in Him. It's not a separate thing outside of Him that He is going to try to show us where it is and He's going to bring that in. No, it's in Him. That's why the very focus of our lives needs to be not on obtaining things, nothing wrong with things, but on obtaining and remaining in Jesus, in Him, is the abundant life which then includes everything we need. I don't know if that makes a whole lot of sense uh, to you tonight, but I'm stirred up about this. Okay? I, I, I just really, I, I'm really convinced that the thing God wants most is not just happy people with stuff, with needs met, but He wants people in a love relationship with Himself. And the other stuff is a byproduct of that. Because, of course, when you're in, you know, in a relationship with our Father who loves us, He's not leaving you hungry and without and, and living a, you know, a miserable life. No, 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 no. That does, there's nothing about Him that, that says that. Okay, go to heaven and find it for me. <laughs> find lack in any, in any way whatsoever. It's just not there. But what's heaven about? Say, well, heaven is about the gold street and the mansion and, and uh, the river of life. And No, I don't really believe that, although I, I'm sure all those things are there. You know what heaven is about? A perfect, unhindered, close-knit relationship with our Father. And with the Lord Jesus. That's what it's about. And everything else there is a result of that. Again, I'm going back to uh, the beginning of this when we were proclaiming. What am I proclaiming? Something that I know. Something that I experience in God personally. This has got to be real in me. If it's not real in me, I can't convince someone else. I can't convince a blind guy of what I see. His eyes have to be opened. How are, the, how are his eyes going to be open? I'm talking, you know, spiritually blind right now, not physically blind. But you can see the parallels. How are his eyes going to be open? Man, when I have a genuine, real connection with my Father, he always hears me. Then I can proclaim out of that to let the eyes be opened. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, in Him was life, and the life was the light of men. How many know light references seeing? 
references understanding, references these things. And there's so much more to say. Amen. I won't take the time now. Well, I don't think. But you remember James. I know I taught this a while back in one of our healing meetings. Um, when James said, is anyone among you afflicted? Do you know what he said was the answer to that? Get everyone to pray. No, he said, is anyone among you afflicted? He said, let him pray. Who? The afflicted person. The afflicted person. But too many people, you know, Christians, I'm talking people in the world don't know, and even people who are new in, in, in Christ, they don't know a lot of these things. And in, that's what we're here for, you know. Part of the purpose of our church is to help people make the connection. You know, and if for a while, if, if I need to, give me your hand, if I need to do this to help make the connection here, I'm going to do that. You know, you being you and you being God. But eventually, can I, I don't know if everyone can see what I'm doing here. Eventually what I want to do is this. And I want to get it and say, go for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ask, 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 ask. Get, 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 you know. And that connection is there. But in the meantime, we're always available to help do this and get in there and, and, and pull them together and say, look, 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 he right there, he loves you. <laughs> Sorry for calling you he. <laughs> but that's part of our job, and we always do that. And someone's saying, oh, I need help, I don't know what to do. We're going to help you make that connection. But the goal of everything we hear, we take it, we internalize, we make it real, we let God show himself personally to us. And if, if anyone's afflicted, pray. Don't let someone else pray. You pray. Amen. And he went on to say, if anyone's cheerful, let him sing. How many know that's different than stand in the midst of a group where everyone's singing? In other words, a lot of people let someone else do their singing, and they're praising, they're rejoicing, and they're shouting for them. Do your own. If it's real to you, if you're really saved... If the risen Christ abides on the inside of you, if you've been born of Him, you've got His Spirit, you shout, you sing, you praise, you jump. Come on now. You act like you're on the victory side. It's not the same to have someone else doing your praising for you. I really just want this whole thing we call Christianity, relationship with God, to be the real deal. And no phony baloney, no, you know, just putting on and ascribing to a system of beliefs, but not having a living presence in us. It was prophesied that in our day, you wouldn't have to say, go here and do there, and you need to do this. Every one of us would know Him. Every one of us would know Him. His Spirit, His, 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 His laws would be written on our hearts. It's not an external leading. It's an inward relationship. And if that's not there, if things aren't working for us, that's where we get, get, that's where we get to work. You know what I mean by there? Given all of our attention, all of our focus on the personal relationship and experience with God where we are convinced inwardly of His love for us, He, he hears us, all these things. And, you, you know, what, what's the limits after that? If I can get in that relationship... 
where I am certain and I know He always hears me. And I've got, I've got a, uh, an appointment with God, an open door experience with Him. I can go in at any time and talk to Him and He hears me and things get done. What are the limits to that kind of life? Nothing. Nothing. I'm in relationship. My relationship with you? Limited. Two limited human beings. My relationship with God? If that becomes more real to me than my relationship with anyone else, I just blew off the limits of my life. Amen. Well, thank you, Lord. God is good. Amen.